Welcome to A Wild New Work, a podcast about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life, all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm Megan Leatherman, a mother to two small kids, coach, writer, and amateur ecologist living in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm your host today. Hi friend, and welcome. I'm so glad that you're here, so honored that we get to share this space together. I'm coming to you on Beltane. I'm recording this like right before I, I put it out into the world um, for reasons which I'll explain later, but it is a special day in the wheel of the year. Um, it's an old, old holiday called Beltane, which is a fire festival, a time when people in my lineage and the Celtic lineage would have celebrated the absolute vibrance of life right now, the color, the blooming, the sex happening all around, the creation of life, the long days, all of the light, and so that will carry us as a thread through today's episode. The sun is in the sign of Taurus, which is a fixed earth sign, so we are also feeling into the stability that's required for a fire to be sustained, right? You have to have a surface for the fire to be on. There has to be enough oxygen. There has to be fuel. There has to be some stability of the elements in order for that fire to be sustained. And Taurus can show us where in our life that's real, where it's too rigid and too um, solidified, where we need more movement and the transformation of fire and heat and color. It is also a time when we learn or remember how things actually grow, how a seed becomes a sapling, how the leaves stretch out, how photosynthesis works, how things bloom, how birds build their nests, how little babies are born. And so there's, it's just like an an amazing amount of wisdom at our fingertips right now and I feel inundated by that every day every day I step out for a walk and things are different and things are changing and growing and it takes some slowness and um, grace to be with that and to recognize that and not rush through it Um, and so today I want to share some of these themes and how you can weave them into your life right now, but also some life updates. Um, I shared on Instagram that my little family and I have been really through the ringer the last two weeks. My son Kylan has been very sick and um, it's taught me a lot. And when I settled in and have tried to sort of make meaning from it as humans do, um, I realized that it's important for me to pull some wisdom out of this and not only just tend to myself and to Kylan and get us back on track, but to also recognize some of the deeper undercurrents that are here. And so I imagine I'll be processing that for a while, but I can already feel some teaching for myself coming out of that experience. So I want to share that and support you in really orienting to this just tremendous time of year in the cycle of things Um, and I think this will be helpful these will be helpful thoughts regardless of when you're listening I do want to say uh, first before we dive in and remind you that I'm offering a summer solstice retreat on June 21st here in an old growth forest outside of Portland Oregon we will be exploring 
meaning making, uh, celebrating the summer, the, the cross from spring into summer. It's the longest day of the year and we will be we will become summer in our lives that day. We will talk about, work with how to experience more mastery in your life and in your work, more fullness, more generosity, and really help you cross from spring into summer and integrate what has been working through you this spring, which might be a lot. Um, and it could be you know, many years of work that hasn't quite been integrated yet. So we will be doing that together. Registration is open for about another month, and I would love to have you if my work resonates, if you'd like to gather in person and just experience a really liminal, rich day on this special occasion of the summer solstice. If you feel like you're doing um, deeper or a bigger or longer term transition in your working life, then I just want to remind you that I do offer one-on-one -on -one support for people and have a couple of spaces now. Uh, well, probably one space right now. Um, and so that's something we could explore too. And all of that information is up on my website at wildnewwork.com. And I'll also put the link in the show notes for you. So before we settle in, why don't we read our opening invocation and you can just take a big deep breath. Notice your body in time and space right now, whatever you're doing. May each of us be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors, known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures that we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Cowlitz and Clackamas tribes, among many others, who are the original stewards of the land that I'm on. So like I said, we are here in the mid-spring period. It's the height of the spring season. We just crossed over Beltane. The sun is in the sign of Taurus. That corresponds to the Hierophant archetype in the tarot, um, which I won't talk about a lot today, but I will link to a former episode from last spring where I did talk about the Hierophant in depth. Of course, in our in with our friends in the southern hemisphere, they're crossing into the autumn season, um, the holiday of Samhain, which comes to us in the northern hemisphere on October thirty first, aka Halloween. Um, and so, both of these gateways have just happened on this planet, in the in the north and southern hemispheres. And you might think about where you were in the last Samhain when you crossed from the you know, early fall into the deep fall over Halloween. What was your life like then? What was work like then? What were you thinking about? How are you changing? And what's different now, six months later? You know, Beltane is this time when we celebrate the power of new and establishing life. Samhain is a time when we honor death and the cycles that have to happen in life, the cycles of, you know, waning and dying and transforming and composting. And life is both of these things. And many witches and spiritual people believe that the veil between our world and the spiritual world is very thin at both of these points, that we can access our beloved dead very easily in Samhain in that late October time. And we can also access 
the fairies, the spirits beyond at this time, this Beltane on May 1st. And so I would encourage you, no matter when you're listening, to just recognize the sort of rhythm of these cycles, the Samhain, Beltane, Samhain, Beltane cycle of life and death. And there's so much, of course, in between. But these two gateways are often really significant reminders of the vastness of this life that we inhabit. And for us here in the spring of 2023, I think it's especially up right now because we're also in the middle of these two eclipses. We had a solar eclipse in Aries. Um, I can't remember the exact date, but the maybe the last week, second to last week of April, and then we have a lunar eclipse, full moon in Scorpio on Friday, May 5th. And so it's just whatever you hold or believe about astrology or how the natural world or the spiritual worlds work, uh, I think we could make an argument that there's a lot happening right now, um, even if it's just that you're recognizing the fullness of spring and the color and the growth and the pollinators that are out. But if you're inclined toward um, a more mystical orientation, then I just want to make some space for you to hold that there's a lot swirling around right now and that you can find your center and steady your breath and really feel into that and pull in what you need and be in conversation with what is making sense to you right now. Like I alluded to earlier, this has also been a very tumultuous and um, in many ways a beautiful time for my family and I. So you might know already my son Kylan is three and um, he last, let's see, two weeks ago came home from preschool pretty sick. His teacher called me. He woke up from nap saying he was sick. He had a fever and was pretty lethargic. So we picked him up early, brought him home, and almost immediately he started vomiting. And he was vomiting for probably 10 hours off and on. No one slept except my daughter, Wyatt, his older sister. Um, and then he started having diarrhea and having blood in his diarrhea. And sorry if this is TMI, but I'm, I'm just like so used to the amount of bodily functions and fluids I've been engrossed in this two weeks is like more than I ever expected. So I hope it doesn't gross you out to talk about, but this is what it is. This is what happened. Um, and so he was just very sick, like uncomfortable, um, fever off and on, um, having blood in his poop, which is just terrifying. Um, so we took him to urgent care. They thought it was like a, just a GI bug that would clear, gave us some ideas of what to do. We went home still like really sick lots like the blood is increasing we saw his primary care person the next day she had some ideas about what it was that it might be uh like a bowel not obstruction but like this specific thing that's like not a virus um but is like a more of a structural thing so we agreed we'd keep an eye on it and sort of be in touch about next steps the next day friday um, I think the solar eclipse happened that Thursday. Um, Friday, the blood's increasing. Nothing's getting better. I'm like, everyone is exhausted. I've been like subsumed. I have no identity outside of Kylan and what is happening in his tiny body. And 
I just had enough, called the doctor, talked to the people at urgent care, and everyone agreed we needed to take him into the ER. So took him into the ER, they got him on an IV, uh, he's still having diarrhea, so they took a stool sample. I think we were in there for like four hours talking to various people, um, trying to get him just get the IV in and see what happened when he got more fluids. Um, and eventually we agreed with the doctors that he needed to be admitted um, and monitored because they didn't know what it was and he was dehydrated. So, you know, we have never been admitted to the hospital and I know that this is relatively mild compared to many other things that happen to children across the world. And this was like the most traumatic thing that had happened in our little family. And so I'm just holding space for both of those things to be true. So Chris was home with Wyatt and I stayed with Kylan and we spent the night in the hospital. It was not fun. I'm grateful, of course, for the care that we received, but trying to sleep in a hospital bed with a three-year-old who's in pain uh, with an IV, tossing and turning all night, uh, wasn't great, and he ended up ripping out his IV, had to do another one at 3 a.m., which is apt, just, it was horrible. (laughs) I just, if you've ever had to restrain your beloved child and see them in pain, um, then my heart just goes out to you because there's not really anything like it. And so the next day, you know, he's still getting an IV, getting all these fluids. Um, He started to feel better. Chris and Wyatt came to the hospital, which was a huge relief. Um, I brushed my teeth and changed clothes. Um, And finally, we got his stool sample results. And it turns out that he had a bacteria called Shigella, which is related to E. coli. So it comes from poop. And somehow, no one knows how, no one at Kylan's preschool or in our family got sick with it. He got this tiny bacteria in his body and it just wreaked havoc on his little system. And so I thought we were going to leave the next day because we knew what it was. They started antibiotics. He had had, you know, almost a day of fluids, but he just, he was still pooping blood. um, And Everyone agreed it would be safer to just do another night of antibiotics, get him off the next morning and see how he did with fluids and get him off the IV the next day. So we ended up spending two nights at the hospital, about two and a half days. Finally, he was eating and drinking normally again and everyone felt comfortable bringing him home and, um, you know, we left with a specific antibiotic that Shigella responds to and yeah since we've been home the recovery has not been as fast or linear as I would like of course but it's happening and we're keeping a close eye on it he can't go back to school until he's had two negative stool samples of course because they help with toileting and we don't want to spread anything so you know the grind of like another week of everyone being home together because my daughter Wyatt had to stay home too until we knew that she was negative is just exhausting. I mean, we've done it so many times in COVID, it's sort of normal too, but 
it has been a really hard couple of weeks and as of this moment um, we don't have those two negative stool samples so I think Kylan will be home for another week but Wyatt's back at school which is great and gives us a semblance of normalcy but this was one just like next level for my nervous system I kind of I held it together the entire time we were there and then as soon as I walked out of the hospital I just started sobbing um, and cried a lot for the next two days just needing to process that and like really allow myself to feel how hard that was and I think Kylan is integrating and uh, you know more equipped maybe to process that trauma and we're talking about it and he seems okay now but it it felt meaningful I think because it happened right around the eclipse because it was so weird and bizarre I mean Shigella is very contagious and just so odd that he was the only one who got it his sun and moon signs are in Aries and just because of the type of person I am I'm always sort of looking for the meaning or the story or the pattern or the teachings that are weaving in and you know maybe if nothing else this experience was just a way for me to see other families who are just you know they're like living in the hospital I mean there are kids rooms that are like very lived in you know and ours you know we only stayed for two nights and you know there are people in tears or with swollen eyes walking through that hospital um there's you know they do their best and there's these gardens that we were out in we would go on little walks the nurse would disconnect Kylan from his IV and we would take them around in a little wagon and that was a lifeline truly there were snails on this upper terrace outside and Kylan loves snails and those snails really carried us for a while but I don't know it just made me realize that there's this whole other part of our society right now there are many parents and families in that place in that children's hospital who are managing probably the scariest thing they've ever been through who are potentially facing significant medical debt as a result who are trying to balance work and earning an income um, alongside this thing that is so visceral and primal and real which is life and survival and the health of our children and our loved ones I know this doesn't this isn't limited to children of course we have parents and other beloveds who are going through these things so in this time you know I couldn't really sync up or click into like the beauty and joy of spring as much I certainly wasn't feeling that I was knee-deep in bloody diarrhea and doctor's visits and hadn't showered and you know couldn't certainly didn't keep up with like my meditation or walks outside but the spring was this lifeline and this buoy even when things felt really dark you know those little snails we saw baby snails the daffodils on that terrace the um, the halobores that were still blooming in the hospital garden I could pull on those as little anchors when I needed them and so that was like a tremendous bring me to the ground kind of moment and then last week we were also supposed to go to down to Venita to visit my sisters for their 30th birthday and one of my other sisters was flying in from out of state and it was meant to be this like really fun special weekend and 
Kylan, of course, still wasn't clear. Um, he was doing better, but it wasn't like 100%, and we didn't want to spread anything. So we knew that the kids couldn't go. So Chris stayed home with them, and I decided that I would drive down there on that Friday um, about a week and a half after Kylan got sick, and I would go, I would just meet them for dinner and then drive home, which was about two and a half hours. And I don't know if it was the intensity of the preceding time or if it really is this kind of mystical eclipse portal mind warp time warp kind of thing but the contrast of that experience like in my body was kind of crazy so just driving down it was this very bright sunny hot day I'm driving these back roads from Portland down to like Eugene and these back roads through these little towns to this vineyard that I used to go to a lot with my family. I grew up in this, I grew up mostly in Eugene, which is like a normal regular town. But then when I was 12, we moved out to the country onto these 20 acres in this little town called Cresswell. And um, that was a very formative place for me, just wandering the backwoods. We lived on this place called Bear Mountain. It was a wild place. It was forested. Um, we did have a field that we would mow, but it was wild. Um, and we would often drive those back roads to this special vineyard called King Estate. And so that's where I drove down and I met my siblings and two of my brothers-in-law. And we had this amazing dinner together. And of course, part of me felt guilty leaving Chris and the kids, but, um, you know, I really needed that break and it was a special occasion and I didn't want to miss it. And after dinner, um, I left and got in my car and the sun was setting and I decided I would drive on the back road from the vineyard to Cresswell. Um, I didn't come down that way, but I thought on the way home I would go that way and I would drive by our old house and something happened I don't know uh, again I don't know if it was just the that I had had such a hard week and my body was like so ready for some joy and peace but it felt very different than like normal life I've been down in Benita in that area a lot um, I haven't driven by the house in many years or on that particular back road but it was dusk, it was warm, I had the windows down, I'm driving on this back road, no one is around, it's very quiet, um, and these dark trees, it's very wooded and forested, and these dark pine and fir trees were just like reverberating life. I don't. It's hard to put into words, and I wasn't drunk, of course, I had to drive home, so I didn't have very much wine, I'm not on any substances, but it, it really just felt it felt like I was 16 again. Um, I felt completely like free and expansive in my body and my being. I felt like I had this connection to these woods that I hadn't even ever felt before. They felt familiar, but in a new way. It just was kind of electric. Um, there was this, there's this unique smell to like cut country grass. It's not like a cut lawn, but people had mowed their like the long grass in their fields and there's a like a very special smell to that when it's been a warm day and that was you know wafting through and the forest was just like pulsating with aliveness and I really felt in that moment that I actually was kind of converging with 
the brightness and the life of spring of this time of this very like mystical gateway that comes to us in late April early May here in the northern hemisphere so these contrasting experiences were just so wild and potent that I'm really just paying attention to them and I think what I'm realizing today and through that is that you know life is Samhain and death and the autumn and that transition and endings and the fear of our children being sick or dying and loss that that experience of loss and grief that is also happening here in the spring of course baby birds are falling out of their nests and dying nests are being ransacked and eggs eaten Um, little baby you know deer are you know being hunted so of course there's loss and death at this time but the spring and the life and the electricity of color right now is also life you know I think for me I sort of lean more toward toward a kind of melancholy way of seeing the world and sometimes I get trapped in this loop that says that life is only like real life like hardcore like the grit of it is really just pain and suffering and death and (laughs) the fall and the autumn you know and winter but life is also beauty and joy and pleasure and procreation and flight and everything that we're seeing around us in this mid-spring time and I'm kind of interested in what it means to strike a different balance with that right now you know are you someone who maybe has a hard time being with the darkness and the rain and the long hard days and the grief that comes up in life are you someone who sort of wants to escape that or maybe hold on to the beauty and joy and brightness of life even when that's not really what's right in front of you or are you someone maybe more like me who's on the end of believing that things you know what's real is just the suffering and the pain And are you interested in finding a different balance right now? What would it mean for you to turn up the volume on the joy and pleasure that you're taking in right now, the beauty, the amount of beauty that you take in? And this is kind of hard to talk about because it's sort of overplayed. I mean, in a great way, a lot of people are talking about pleasure and joy and beauty and... um, enjoying your life and you know all of these things and that's wonderful and you know we have to find like the language and the ways in that fit for us my therapist talks about that all the time so for you like what is it for you to sync up with the mid-spring right now what is it for you to actually become the energy of a blooming tulip or a bee drinking nectar, or a butterfly flitting around trying to find the most beautiful, luscious plant to land on. What is that for you? What are the words that fit for you? What does that feel like in your body? And one of the things that inevitably will come up is that it will pull us away from work and obligation and responsibilities, and that is okay. That is a good thing. There is nothing wrong with you if you would rather be out on a walk or laying in a garden instead of on your computer or at an office or going in to, to the grocery store to work. There is nothing unnatural about that. That is completely natural. 
Of course you're meant to be outside right now taking all of this in. It's in every part of your DNA. Of course you're meant to be dancing around a maypole with colorful ribbons, listening to music and dancing in a meadow of wildflowers. Of course you're meant to be enjoying this incredible time. And can you meet a new edge where you're doing that more than working? (laughs) Or can you at least divest more of your energy away from work or the things that feel like maybe drudgery or obligation or make you feel trapped? And can you find a new level or a new way into greater life and joy? That's sort of our mandate right now. Sometimes at this time of year, if I'm feeling like kind of down or overburdened or like things are really serious, I try to remember how many beings around me are having sex right now. (laughs) And it just like takes me out. It's like, oh yeah, that's life. That's real that's what this is all about not you know whatever I have in front of me that seems super important but really isn't and I think one of the other things that is hard about this in addition to kind of knowing that it pulls us away from capitalist demands or overculture demands is also that we're not all tapped into true streams of joy. I think this is one of the things that the the Taurus and the Hierophant archetypes can help us with. Joy in Western culture and capitalism is is sort of just consumption. It's just here here just like buy this thing or pay for this thing and and that's joy. And those work sometimes, but if you've ever been part of something that was like really wholesome and pure and sustainable and sweet and beautiful and like good for the earth and you and people around you, you know that it has a much different texture. You know, the joy of working in your garden or sitting in front of a field of wildflowers or going for a hike or just embracing like the color of this time or making sun tea at home or creating an altar in your home to honor where you are and where you want to be. Those things have a much different vibe than just like taking yourself, you know, shopping and out to lunch. Not that that can't be sweet, but we're sort of tricked into thinking that there are these certain avenues to joy and the mid spring comes along and is like, oh, you want to know what joy is? (laughs) Here, like here is all of the color and the scent and the light and the warmth and the activity to reorient us to what is actually joyful. Can you imagine what it would be like to live in a place where every person had their needs met, where animals were treated well, where the plants were respected, where the air was clean, where the spirits of the place were honored, where people had rites of passages to help them grow and grieve and evolve, where mothers were actually supported after giving birth, where elders were actually supported as they crossed into death that's joy it's not these fucking strip malls or new cars or whatever you know we think it might be and so i think all of us can be tapping into more of that true deep rooted earth joy right now 
and that that will inevitably change and transform work and capitalism and culture. And the more of us that can do that, again, in a way that isn't just pure individualistic consumption or hedonism, sometimes it's inconvenient, right? Like it's inconvenient to be in community. It's not efficient to, you know, experience the joy of like bringing someone a meal or bringing, you know, activities like so many people did for me and my family in these last couple of weeks. I know that the, that people went out of their way and were inconvenienced to support us. And yet that felt so joyful to receive and I hope it felt joyful for them to give. And so that's what I'm carrying with me I think through this experience is just one that experience that like kind of crazy mystical experience that was so simple just driving in my little car on these back roads at dusk through my childhood woods and whatever opened up there I think is gonna have meaning to go forward in the future but it's it can be so simple and pure just like that and also the really trying to connect into like true joy stable earth-based joy and that that's not frivolous or naive (laughs) to believe in it's that's the real stuff so life is death it's messy it's hard there's grief and it is also this beauty and joy and pleasure and you meeting your edge with that and seeing how far you can go in terms of sweet holistic community-based loving joy and I encourage you to play with that and see what it has to say about the work that you do and how it changes the work that you do because that is inevitable so that's what I wanted to share with you today my friends I really hope that you are pulling on the spring in whatever ways you can or need to right now Um, Thank you for listening and giving me the space to share where we have been and how I'm making sense of it. Um, I hope that you appreciated this episode and got something from it. Again, if you want to bring this work into three dimensions or even more, um, I want to remind you of the summer retreat on the solstice on June 21st um, and let you know that I'm happy to walk with you as a guide through my one-on-one program too. So you can check those out in the show notes or at awildnewwork.com. I hope you take such good care in this mid-spring period, and I will see you on the other side.